You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Yeah, that's our normal introduction that we play on the podcast, and that is the great Tony Allen uh, saying that we're live and we actually are live on this episode. Normally we're not. We pre-record the podcast. We're actually live. I'm joined by my co-host Walker Mail on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are watching Locked On Live. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you explaining to the people that maybe are not familiar that we do have the greatness of Tony Allen sound on our introduction. It just goes to show exactly how great our podcast is right off the bat. Uh, It's true. Yeah, we try to incorporate all things NBA into Locked On Hornets. But today, we're going to focus on this Hornets Heat playoff game. One of the greatest playoff games, I think, in Charlotte Hornets history. It's game five of their last playoff series in 2016 versus the Miami Heat. You may know this as the Courtney Lee shot game. We're going to watch the second half. We're going to pick up action right after halftime. So, uh, uh, Walker, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and hit play. We'll kind of sync up together so that we're watching this together. If you're Give me re- a countdown, and we'll do it. Give are, me a countdown are we going, three. Are I'm we ready. going on play or after play? So, yeah, let's do, let's do a three, two, one, go. Give me a go. Give me a play. I just need one word after you count down. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go. To you that. Love it. Perfect. Sync. in Miami. Okay, I'm going to turn this sound, try to turn it down a little bit more than that. There we go. That way it doesn't like come over the, completely come over the top of us here. All right, so we're going to pick up action in the second half as Jefferson uh, is just, he was a monster in this series. That He was playing the bench to begin this series, but then the Miami Heat's defense shut down Kimba Walker and Jeremy Lin, the two biggest offensive options, and Steve Clifford was forced to make the lineup change and go to Jefferson in the starting lineup and it worked in game four they get the win in game four and then now you're seeing a, a must win game five or excuse me they got the win in game three sorry and then um got another win in game four so there you go now we're in game five yeah we just saw Kemba gamble on a pass trying to get that to be a turnover for them and then Gordon Dragic scores and as you get the good with Al Jefferson's offense I don't know if that's really Al's fault on defense I, Doug what I really want to say is I miss Al Jefferson so badly I mean I miss this like, in, I miss this entire team I mean this is a team that was constructed to win and compete in the playoffs they they acquired Lee uh in the middle of the season they you know they've had Marvin Williams for a while they they got Jeremy Lin in free agency as well, a really kind of low bet, high reward kind of deal bringing in Jeremy Lin, and he was fantastic, actually provided some help for Kimba Walker for once. And, uh, I mean, I had high hopes in this series. Yeah, it was a good job of Rich Cho to kind of put this team together as it went on, right? I mean, with the Courtney Lee edition, first and foremost, just in the middle of the season. And then they couldn't, you know, they wanted to keep this team together. And it was really a bunch of role players, as we've mentioned a million times on the podcast, right? It's allowing Courtney Lee to walk. It's allowing Jeremy Lin to walk. And it was the smart decision to allow Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee. But, you know, the the bad decisions in hindsight were to pay Marvin Williams quite a bit of money, along with MKG, I believe, already having his contract done. And then, of course, Nick Batum getting the Albatross 26 mil contract. Sure, but Nick Batum, a major factor in this series as well. I mean, he played really well uh, in this one. 
Um, so you're going to see you're going to see a lot of him. But he was also limited by injury. I mean, I think if 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 you get full Nick Batum in this series without the injury concerns, the Hornets probably do enough to win this series. Uh, Frank Kaminsky from the top, and he was money. He wasn't very money guarding Lawal Ding in this series. That was probably a, a big X factor that a lot of people have forgotten about. This is how how much Lawal Ding abused Frank Kaminsky on the defensive end, and <laughs> I mean it just killed him in those first two games. This is Frank's uh, rookie year, I believe. Right? This is the first year mm-hmm. in the league for him. That's correct. Uh, let yeah. me let me recap this series as we kind of get started here. So game one, the Miami Heat won one twenty three to ninety one blowout win. For the Miami Heat, Lawal Ding had 31 points. Uh, Hassan Whiteside had 11 rebounds. Game two, not much better for the Hornets, 115 to 103. This looked like another sweep for the Charlotte Hornets, who uh, previously, as the Charlotte Bobcats, have been swept for nothing in both of their two playoff appearances, once to the uh, Orlando Magic and once to the Miami Heat, led by LeBron James. So it looked like we were heading for another embarrassing sweep. Uh, but then in Game 3, things started to change. They get the win, 96-80. to 80. They turn the tables uh, in Charlotte. And then in Game 4, 89-85 victory. Kimball Walker had 34 in that game. Spencer Hawes led the Hornets with eight rebounds in Game 4. And they what get a, a Right. And this was a defensive series. A lot of big scores for Miami. But then, then we sort of dug down in, in th- Games 3 through 6. And this was a defensive struggle. Um, but the Hornets now in Game 5 looking for a series lead and then going back to Charlotte with a chance to win if they get this victory. You saw a couple of, of rough shots there with Kemba. And then it was funny to see, like, man, Dwayne Wade just, he wasn't shooting the threes early in this one. It was game seven where he started to hit a couple of threes. But even then, you saw Courtney Lee not want to go out all the way on Dwayne Wade beyond the line because it just wasn't his game. Dwayne Wade still gets to the mid-range and then loses Courtney. I had Courtney Lee, a good defender. I think we know Courtney Lee is a good defender. But then he just, Dwayne Wade completely loses him in the mid-range. And thank God, at least in this game, Dwayne missed it. Um, it just is funny to me, right? Like Dwayne Wade, this awesome player, but you're like, yeah, go ahead and shoot it from three because that's what you needed to do with him. That's how you had to defend him. Yeah, absolutely. He was two of three in this series from three. I don't know. I think he may have made one in the regular. Let me let me look that up. There was some crazy thing where he had not attempted a three or something since December of that. Well, did both of them come in game seven, both of the threes from Dwayne Wade? Did they both come in game seven from him? I'll look that up. I could be completely making that up. That's a possibility. In 2016, he was, or in 2015-16, Dwayne Wade shot 16% from three. Like, even for him, it was an especially bad year from three, and he only attempted .6 attempts a game in the 2015-16 season. Uh, But he hit two big ones against the Hornets in this series. How about Goran Dragic a couple times, taking it to Kimba, just being stronger? This is when Dragic was a lot better than he is now, right? I just It's it's funny to see Dragic take it to Kimba the way he did. Yeah, I mean, you just talk about players that, for the Heat, that were huge. Lawal Ding, uh, 69% true shooting percentage in here. Again, I mean, you can see it in, in, in this one. I mean, he is just really... Oh, excuse me. That was Dragic on the on the layup. But you'll see yeah. the Walding get plenty of opportunities against Frank Kaminsky matching up in this one. 
and then also Hassan Whiteside with a 69% true shooting percentage. He was a problem all series that the Hornets had to solve. They couldn't solve it in the first two games. Hassan Whiteside was very good in those two games. And they, they had to make some adjustments. And, and he drew so much attention at the time uh, from, from really the, all teams that season. I mean, he was playing really well. Well, yeah, this is for people that don't know. I mean, this is the postseason before the salary cap spiked mm -hmm. that hit a lot of teams, especially hard like the Hornets, like I just mentioned. And Hassan Whiteside absolutely reaped in the benefits from the salary cap raising the, to the level that it did because he had a good year this season. This was the kind of guy that and maybe even local people in Charlotte were paying attention to him because he is from Gastonia. He was playing at the local Y in Charlotte at the Dow before he even was getting shot on an NBA court. And the guy is, you know, a, a twenty making twenty million dollars a year Dude. after this postseason was done with. Shout out Dowd Y. Shout out Gastonia, <laughs> my hometown, the hometown of Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, that's your crib, Doug. Pride of, that's right, Pride of Gastonia. So Hornets go into this second half with a lead, but they quickly give it up to Miami. They're up 58-57 in this one. Um, your, your lineup for the Charlotte Hornets in this series, you've got Kimba Walker uh, at the guard position, Courtney Lee, Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, Cody Zeller, Nick Batum, Frank Kaminsky, Marvin Williams, Spencer Hawes, Jeremy Lamb off the bench. He only played in three of these games. Uh, Troy Daniels, of course, of Miracle After Midnight fame. Anyone who listens to the Locked on Hornets podcast will know all about that game. Uh, the, he played in four games in this series, mostly in garbage time. Um, God, he looks young, doesn't he? I'm sorry. Kimba looked young right there, even if it was just four years ago. I don't know why. Little baby just, boo. Yeah. There's a lot of, like a lot of feelings Kimba. in this game. I mean, when you see Kimba, when you see Cliff, who's now co head coach in Orlando, when you see Cliff, when you see uh, Marvin now, Marvin not a member of the Charlotte Hornets anymore. He goes on to Milwaukee to help them. Uh, with whatever happens if they get back to playing this season or get some playoffs. He'll, he'll be, I think, a major uh, factor in, in their playoff run. Jeremy Lin's hair, a huge storyline in 2016. He had all kinds of uh, different crazy hairstyles. And we, I think at one point, at thehive.com had done some analysis of what the record was when he had the different hairstyles. I think the Mohawk. Oh, I want that article. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I think the Mohawk was the uh, winner in that. <laughs> a little turnaround by Frank. Not, not very good. Some rebounds, but ultimately goes down to the wall. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you, you got a resurgence of Wade. I think everyone had counted out Dwayne Wade and... Uh, Wade really had a good series here to send them to the second round. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Dwayne really was good in this one. Man, this game, you know what's funny? I actually did not watch this game live. It was right when I started at 7.30 the game, ESPN Charlotte. How dare I you? I was still trying to get on as much as I possibly could. And I was actually running the board for the Charlotte Knights on this night. And I had to go home and listen to it on the radio. And I remember I was in a drive-thru at Arby's listening to the final call. I was about to order, and Courtney Lee is coming up with the shot. And I remember that shot going in as I was about to order whatever the hell I was going to order at Arby's. Well, I was going to say, what did you order? order? That's what yeah. I want to know. What, do you, what, what is your go-to Arby's order? Well, at the time, they were pubbing those euros pretty hard, and that's what I got. Oh, my and God. so a couple of those, they were really good. What are what is wrong with you? You you don't I, to me. Arby's is one of those fast food restaurants that I would put in a tier. That's like you can't really go away from the staples. You shouldn't go away from the staples. Like there's a couple of things that Arby's does well: curly fries, the the roast beef sandwiches. But you you can't go too far outside of the box when you go to an Arby's. Oh man, I think that's 
exactly the opposite. If oh. you're going to go outside the box at any fast food restaurant, Arby's is the way to go because everything's so high quality there. Underrated as hell. Curly fries are fantastic. You are right about that. I do like the other sandwiches that they have, but I just decided to try. I mean, look, the commercials worked on me. I'm putting that on a poll. I'm going to do some polls here that in the replies <laughs> of this live stream. Um, and I'm going to put it on the poll here. Do you go outside of the box when you go to Arby's? You absolutely can. I don't think so. I, that, to me, that's that's a trip to the bathroom. That's a foul. Two shots at the bathroom. Two shots in the bathroom. Two shots in the bathroom. <laughs> Speaking of shorts, here's David. What's up, David? How are you doing, oh, man? Weird. Is this weird? Did I interrupt anything? Clearly, I did. Well, so here's the, here's the question that I just put on the poll here uh, in the replies to the live feed on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and reply to that poll. Uh, here's the question on the table right now as we watch Game Five: uh, Charlotte Hornets Miami Heat 2016. One of the most important games in Charlotte Hornets playoff history. David, the question is. When you go to Arby's, do you go outside of the box on your order, or do you stick with the staples? I'm sorry, you broke up there. I thought you said Arby's. That's correct. When you go to Arby's. <laughs> no, you didn't break up. That's correct. That's when you... exactly what he asked you. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no. I decline. I decline this question. So okay. you don't even go to Arby's. You're not ordering anything. I don't even know where an Arby's is, and I don't right. want to know at this point. <laughs> Well, Walker is disgusting. Walker is disgusting. He said he, he goes outside of the box when he goes to Arby's, which is just ridiculous. Oh, it's good stuff. I mean, they've got good like curly fries, right? I think the last Arby's experience I had was at a Arby's, like one of those like Arby's slash truck stop hybrid oh, uh, perfect. gas station perfect. type perfect. places. Perfect. Uh, okay. Perfect. Well, already perfect marriage, not the highest of quality Arby's. <laughs> I mean, already it's going down. I don't know. If that's the last experience, then of course you haven't been back. <laughs> Uh, David, yeah, guys, go ahead. David. I, did, I had to jump in on this game because this was one of the most memorable Hornets games watching for me in recent memory. I watched this entire thing after playing a basketball game and watched it with one of my good friends and just had the best time. There was a small collection of Hornets fans in the building, in the bar watching with us, and I, I've never high-fived more during a Hornets game with people, it was just exhilarating. So I had to jump in and just relive that with you guys. Okay. I would have high-fived right there if that Nick Batum delicious pass behind the back to Al Jefferson with the knockdown day. That was well, amazing. I play. mean, again, this was the most active we saw Nick Batum in the offense. I mean, he was knocking down three-point shots. He was making passes like that to Al Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to be the best that it got with Nick Batum right here in his time. Uh, in Charlotte, David, uh, your your microphone sounds like maybe we're getting the audio from your computer, so you might want to double check the input settings on Zoom, so we can get those. Because I don't want to deny people who are on this live stream right now. I don't want to deny them your sweet, sweet baritones. They're so good. They're so delicious. As Dwayne Wade steps up to the free throw line, <laughs> that should fix it. Oh yes, yes, oh, yes. Now we're in. Okay, as I was saying, Arby's. Um, <laughs> yeah, give us your yeah. Now that they're clear, why don't you give us your Arby's yeah. takes again? Just kidding. No, but Doug, to your point, and this is the game that we hung on to for like a year and a half in the Nick Batum discussion, right? We pointed back to kind of this series and the tail end of this and kind of what he was able to do as hopes that he might be able to recover that form. And I mean, as of yet, he is not, but uh, we'll see. You got high, yeah, you got hope for him. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Maybe next year's different. I mean, what else is there? What else is there at this point? 
by the way, before we got on to this, before we made this full screen size, I saw the amount of views on this video, Doug. I don't know how you found this, but I believe the count was at three views total for this entire game. Oh, well, I own this. I own this video and I, I oh, have, do you? okay. <laughs> I was hoping I put it on YouTube unlisted and I was hoping that it would just survive long enough. The, the YouTube NBA gods wouldn't strike it down before we got to do this live stream, but it, it probably will get eviscerated from the internet. Uh, but yeah, this is on my little private stream here. All right, look at we just saw we just saw a, a a stat sheet something that shows shows up on the stat sheet from a Nick Batum assist to a Cody Zeller dunk that forced a Miami timeout. I mean that is just something you don't see a lot. All right, nice graphics. Trying to pull up the there we go. Trying to pull up the stats for this game. Yeah, Al Jefferson, a huge factor in this one. He he would finish 7 of 14 from the field, five rebounds, 14 points, or excuse me, seven rebounds, 14 points, two offensive rebounds. Marvin Williams had 17 in this one. Kemba had 14 in this one. 14, 5, and 5. So an all around good game, but an inefficient shooting game for Kemba, four of 18. I, and I seem to remember when we discussed this game, David, after it was over that I think we remarked on the fact that, wait a minute, they just won a playoff game where Kemba shot 22% from the field. Like, that made us very excited going into game six. Yeah, I mean, something that is hard to believe when you look back on it at this point, but I don't know. I mean, I guess fool's gold? Where we, uh, It's so confounding how this went. It's just like it's so much like that Buck series that we, that we watched, uh, that they were able to do this in Miami with Kemba not really leading the way, although he hits a three. Oh, right cash, there, cash, 64-65. This is going to be back and forth, but not a lot of scoring in this game. I'll give you the final. I won't tell you who wins in case you've just been under a rock as a Hornets fan and don't remember this game. But the final score is 90-88. to 88. So we're, we're not looking. We're looking at a defensive struggle here. Oh, yeah, the fourth quarter is not going to be pretty to watch. Have you guys remarked on the sleeves yet? Have we had a yeah, sleeves discussion? Uh, what do we think? Buzz City sleeve jerseys. I'm a fan. I'll go ahead and say it. I kind of like. <laughs> well, I don't like. I don't like the sleeves on the court, but I do own the Kimball Walker sleeve jersey, and I enjoy it because it's one of the few jerseys that I feel like I can wear, you know, a little bit more regularly. Because I don't. I don't have like. I don't have much of an occasion to wear a tank top. So I like it in that sense. Um, so, David, that was a disgusting take. That was offensive to you to say that I like the Buzz City jerseys that they had with the sleeves. Well, on. I do like the Buzz City jerseys. I was just never a fan of the sleeved jerseys, and I'm glad they uh, have basically been erased from his existence, Marty McFly style. No one wants to talk about them anymore. Um, however, this was peak year for the sleeve jerseys because the Cleveland Cavaliers, I believe, won their finals against the Warriors in those sleeved jerseys. So a big year for the sleeve jerseys in 2016. Well, was this the year? Was it the next year that LeBron just ripped it and tore it off out of frustration? The sleeve, <laughs> just, he tore it off, and then I think that was the end. All right, LeBron doesn't like him. We're going to move on. That's from right. <laughs> That's right. You just saw the graphic there. Josh Richardson played a huge role for the Miami Heat in this one off the bench. The Hornets really didn't have any answer for him defensively on the bench. Uh, he was red hot. Not Now, in this game, he did he does knock down two three-point shots, but he wasn't as effective. Really, the entire Miami Heat bench was ineffective in this one. Josh Richardson, three of eight. Justice Winslow, one of six. And then McRoberts and Gerald Green combining for uh, uh, zero made field goals. 
Oh, my gosh. McRoberts. There was such talk around this time about the McRoberts missing piece, you know, from the uh, Hornets lineup. Such and, a big part of the Bobcats. And there he is without, there, without the hair. Such... Yeah. A uh, good screen. Speaking Set of up. hair, Cody Zeller had a little bit more hair this go-around than he does now. Ouch. Yeah, Ouch. sorry, Cody. Mm, love you. Speaking of uh, hair, Spencer Hawes, man bun. The, a lot of hair talk in this, in this <laughs> series. I remember that. <laughs> And, of course, the king right there, Jeremy Lin, right? Such a big hair season for him. The Mohawk. When the last time we Whatever. really get to see Jeremy Lin healthy and a factor in the NBA? Because, I mean, he would move on to Brooklyn uh, from here. The Hornets would not re-sign him uh, in free agency. And, unfortunately, he gets injured, and really we don't know what his future holds. Well, and yeah, this was this was the reclamation year for Jeremy Lin, right? As you mm-hmm. see those season stats, I mean, almost at 12 a game after, I think, being buried on the bench out in Houston after he had, of course, Lin Sanity go on in New York. I know he bounced around, I believe, a couple of different teams. He goes to Charlotte. I don't even know the kind of deal he came to Charlotte on. I know it was cheap. but It was really cheap. I think it was yeah. like one or two million, Doug. You can fact check me on that one. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a cheap deal, and Jeremy Lin had a, a good season, as you just saw, coming okay. off of the bench. Yeah, maybe not that low. I just did look up his uh, his, his his Brooklyn Nets signing though three years, twenty five million dollar contract coming up in July, a little bit after this se- this series ended. So definitely a a good uh, striking while the iron was hot for Jeremy Lin. Well, and you know what? I wonder this wouldn't have made the bracket as we were drafting each of the greatest moments, but. Should we have even mentioned Jeremy Lin's role in that crazy comeback against the Spurs that year in 2016? Do you remember that game? Jeremy Lin was just on fire in the second half. They come down from like 25 points or so. There was a huge deficit. They come back and they beat the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Really, again, at the help of uh, Jeremy Lin kind of leading the way. I mean, that's a moment I'll I'll remember in regular season history for this team. So it was a $4.3 million deal, but it was two years, and yeah. they, they used their biannual exception to bring in Lynn. And I, and I want to say that it was a team option on that second year because the Hornets, I think the Hornets would, would de- mm. or was it a player option? I'm trying to track that information Would down. make more sense if it was a player option. you think they would opt in, right? I mean, if he was going for 25 mil, you think they'd opt in at just 2 mil, right? I would have to imagine. Because it was two million, yeah, it was two million was for that say. first year. I'm trying to just get that. Anyway, it was a good contract at the time. It became even better as Jeremy Lin. Maybe he did opt out. Maybe it was a player contract because he opted out, and the Hornets couldn't afford to bring him back. Yeah, I think that because they I mean, ended up signing. That's a bad move if the Hornets don't bring him back on an option for two million. It, it can't be a team option. This is why I have you on the yeah, show. Yeah, he Walker. opted out. Yeah, he opted out of the Hornets deal for sure. You know what's crazy? I remember Spencer Hawes. He would have one just mind-blowingly dumb turnover a game, but he was absolutely one of the best passers on this team. Well, it's something the Hornets have been missing for years now is a passing, a really good passing big. I mean, right now they've got um, Hernan Gomez, Zeller, and Biombo. Those are three centers that you would not – um, associate with great passing. P.J. Washington, if they eventually do go small ball center with him, is the, the one guy that I see is like, oh, he's got some, he's got some possibility here. He's, he's just, he has good awareness 
and good passing that could turn into great awareness and great passing as the years pile up. How about Spencer? Here we are talking about PJ Washington playing small ball five, and here the Hornets have Spencer Hawes and Cody Zeller on the floor at the same time in a playoff game. Oh yeah, well that was definitely a reaction to what Miami was throwing out. I mean they 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 were definitely playing small for a majority of you know uh, their time without Hassan. It was either Hassan or they were playing small. Yeah. Also, Joe Johnson, by the way, I haven't mentioned anything about him. Oh, my the, God. Yeah. <laughs> the big three killer. Uh, and then would eventually get him at least a shot to play. I think it was Detroit, right, after his big three days. But, man, this, I mean, did he retire maybe, did he play one more year after this and then he was done? Because Joe Johnson getting a lot of minutes right now. I want to say, yes, it just felt like he played forever. I don't think this was the end of his run. We can obviously look that up, but you're right. Uh, My internet connection's awful, by the way. That's why I don't help the research team whatsoever. I'm not a part yeah. of this. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he end up in Detroit? Was his last stop, I believe? Well, I think it was Detroit. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure. I know that Detroit, I think, maybe looked at him after his big three dominance, where right. he was clearly an amazing. Oh, right, 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 right. You're right. You're right. Speaking, Speaking of, of Jesse, Joe. Joe. Uh, if you're wondering where Michael Kidd Gilchrist is, uh, he only played seven games in this season. This is where he started the year hurt, and then he came back and had an amazing seven games and actually was knocking down three-point shots. He looked really good and then got injured again and was out for the rest of the season. How much better is this team with MKG on the roster? Well, I, I certainly don't think they get blown out in the first two games. I think they're able to put up a, a little bit more defensive effort into things. Um and, and if he's hit, if he hit well now, here's the, the factor. Like, are you talking about MKG as we know him for a majority of his career, or are we talking about the MKG that we got for the seven games where he was 43% from three? He was hitting corner threes regularly. Like, if we get yeah, that MKG, then, yeah, they're damn good. They win the series. Well, yeah, of course. Let, let's go realistic and just kind of hypothesize that MKG goes all the way down to, like, I don't know, 34% from three, and that's actually still decent for him, right? Like, let's just Correct. go yeah, even be below amazing. average but not god-awful like oh, we had man. seen from him. You know, can, we, can, I, guy can I pause you, Walker, so we can appreciate this Kimball Walker move here to get the contact. He looks behind him very quickly as he's going into the move to get to draw the contact on Drogic. You know, we talk a lot about Devontae Graham and the level that he has to get to in terms of driving the basketball, getting contact, finishing through contact, getting fouled. I mean, there you see, that's the elite level that Kimball Walker got himself to in 2016 and then improved that as the years go on. That's, you know, I, I'm confident that Devontae Graham can put in the work, but I just, I think we need to appreciate how, how far it is from where Devontae is now and where Kimba had developed by this point. Look at those moves. I mean, he was, I mean, he gets blocked there, but still, like, the way he was able to maneuver inside was, was really incredible. Yeah, so just following up on that ISO Joe, spent some time in Utah and Houston before exiting after this stop in Miami. I don't remember him in Houston at all. Dribble handoff was huge to the Hornets offense. I mean, oh, and then a little nice little baseline mm. cut by Lynn. Can't make it happen, though. This was a tough defensive team that they're playing in the Miami Heat, Spencer, yeah. with that old school jump shot from the free throw line. It really just feels like the Miami Heat are forever going to be 
roadblocks for this team in the Hornets. I mean, they do such a good job of just rebuilding and keeping putting contenders on the floor down there in Miami. I mean, this year is no exception, right? Like, it's just going to be so tough for Charlotte to make any headway. But I guess they're trying to do that, kind of rebranding their approach. Miami, man, they're just so tough. My guy Pat down there really seems to know what he's doing. That's he's right. You record. guys are on a first-name basis. You just you, yes. you, you see Pat Riley, and instead of saying Coach or Coach Riley – uh, Riles, even you go Pat for some reason. Uh, it must have been this, it, Doug. It must have been during this series when yeah, I on, saw him on the streets of downtown Charlotte in the days prior to social distancing. And Walker, I don't know if you know the story. It's not that great of a story, so why should you? But I, I bumped into him coming out of his hotel and just uh, I gave him a hi, Pat. How's it going? And he was super <laughs> friendly. And Doug just took such offense that I that I went first name on him because he's just another human man on the you know i mean he's just he uh, just another human on, man with with you know, multiple when, when, nba championships yeah, but just another <laughs> human man doug do you go mr riley in that scenario i go coach how do you greet i think you coach i mean he's earned so he that wanted right to go coach he's earned oh. that yeah yeah it, that's that's a, a weird thing to me. I'm not that nasty. <laughs> like calling guys coaches with. I mean, he's not my coach, you know. Exactly. I, yeah, it's it's a weird thing for no, me. I, I think it's an age thing for me. Like if he's significantly older, I might call him coach. Pat Riley probably gets a coach from me, but James Borrego, I'd go JB. Uh, JB. Yeah. It was, no, if JB wins a championship, then he's coach. That's what I'm saying. You earn the coach title. You don't become a coach. And then suddenly people call you coach. It's not like military where it's like, or, or senator, where you, you know, as soon as you get the title, that's your honorary, um, I think is the word I'm looking for. But coach, I think, is something that you do out of respect for when a guy has achieved what Pat Riley has achieved. That's what I'm saying. Hell, JB wins, a, play JB wins a playoff series. I'm calling him coach. <laughs> Mr. Coach. The, the bar is not set quite as high. No, not, not in Charlotte. Yeah, he he went. Yeah, he wins one playoff series and he's earned that title. Well, I mean, even, even know, Clifford Riley is the GM at that point, Doug. I mean, even if he's yeah. not a coach, you still call him coach. Uh, yeah, totally. Because again, he right. he earned that by being an amazing coach and coaching championship teams. That's what I'm saying. He gets that honor. Yeah. Here's the thing. The problem is the problem is no one says hey GM or hey general manager like well, you can well, only no, be coach when i or, tell you why I guess i'll Mr. tell you Riley. why because we give special in in this country and maybe across the world really or just as humans we give respect to leaders of men you know or leaders of people i should say um it's 2020 um sure. and that's you know that's what that's just what we do um you know it, it's military it's um it's uh, politics it's uh, and I think it's sports too, where if you are in that leadership position, and and to me in sports it's a little bit different, where I think you still have to earn that title. You get the championship, you get the coach title. Well, next time I will apologize. Yeah, Whereas GM, you're just an executive. I mean, you're That's just fine. like a you're just you know you're a money counter. Come on, <laughs> you're a bean. You're a bean Man. counter. You're just an you're you're a high up bean counter, but you're just a bean counter. <laughs> Man, Jeremy Lin is playing a lot of minutes in this game. I feel like he hasn't been off the court. I'm sure he has as we've been watching here, but it's just amazing to look back and see how how uh, much of an impact he had on this team and in this, you know, playoff game in in particular. Yeah, I mean, so the big tactical switch in this series uh, happened early on when 
Oh my gosh. Ooh, oh, here we go. The There's way, the Cody Zeller the way, that doesn't show up in famous, the box score right there. This is a yes, famous sir. rivalry that, that only Charlotte Hornets fans know about. I mean, Zeller and Whiteside just didn't like each other and would get into these kind of things in every regular season matchup. And Hassan would foul out. Hassan would get tossed. Uh, it was Zeller and Whiteside, and also Zeller and Howard would get into it quite a bit. Dwight Howard. Um, Zeller, I've always said Zeller, I think. I, I have no information, but I speculate that Zeller around the league has a sneak reputation for being a little bit of a dirty player because he's very physical. Oh, I don't I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. Amongst players like guys like Whiteside and some of the big guys down low. Yeah, he, we, he definitely we, likes to muck it up. We all know him as this, you know, guy on that makes kind of funny tweets every once in a while and gets on radio shows and he's a funny, you know, genial kind of guy. But I think on the floor, uh, people come into Charlotte knowing that, you know, if Zeller's playing big minutes, they, they could catch an elbow at some point. Oh, yeah, get get in there. Get in there, Cliff. <laughs> By the way, how about Nick Batum and Marvin Williams bringing this back within one with a couple threes that they hit, like an ugly fourth quarter, but those two threes brought them within this situation. Glory days of 2016. Look, I mean, look at that. Look, Batum, wow. when have we seen that? When have we seen that in the past couple of years? <laughs> Batum taking the pick and just drawing it up and knocking it down. We just haven't seen and that. And then even meat mugging, too, man. Yeah. Oh, Kyle man. Lyon. He was in. He was in just a, it's just a completely different look on the guy, too. I mean, he wanted that shot. He's aggressive. He's looking for the shot. He's doing everything much more aggressively and with a purpose. That you just have not seen in the look past at that. two years, yeah. Hey, look at that. Well, that's that, attitude well, from well, Nick Batum. Hold on, I, that's different. That could be attitude, or that could be the toe issue that would ultimately hobble him. And and oh, really, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's an injury thing because he was hurting bad uh, in this series. And really, yeah, that grimace doesn't look very attitudey. I thought it was earlier. That might be a correct uh, statement by you. Yeah. I thought it might be just him. I like Nick look Batum with attitude better than hurt Nick Batum, but either way, I, I commend him for his performance. Look at that stat uh, that just flashed on the screen. The Hornets were second only to the Warriors in most games with 10 or more three point field goals made. I mean, that was huge. The, this Hornets team, really for the first time were, were leaders in, in three-point makes and a lot of that due to Kimball Walker's development but also the acquisition of Lee and Marvin had a great mm -hmm. season this year and then uh, Jeremy Lin and Nick Batum both knocking down threes. I mean, this team was deadly from outside. Really shifting away from Al Jefferson. You know, shifting away from that low post offense yeah. that had defined them for many years. And going back real quick to that tactical shift that I was trying to talk about before Zeller and, and Whiteside uh, got into it. Early in this series, the Miami Heat were doubling Kimba every time he touched the ball. They were blitzing all the Kimba Walker pick and rolls and Jeremy Lin as well. They would try to put both those guys out on the floor and they would just basically, Miami would leave anyone who was down in the paint alone and force the ball out of Kimba's hands and try to recover. So then they started uh, playing Jefferson more minutes and feeding him the ball to try to pull the Miami Heat defense back and open some things up for, and give Lee more minutes too. And uh, now, you know, you see the results. Charlotte was back in this series all of a sudden. By the way, going back to David's point about, you know, Miami just being this machine that starts to, you know, pump out talent even at, even in places, even from rookies, right? I mean, Josh Richardson getting some real minutes in this one, you know, playing right now along with Justice Winslow, who I know everybody loved coming out of the draft, but even Josh Richardson getting minutes in this time. Uh, second round pick, if I'm not mistaken, for him, maybe like 40th or something like that. 
the fact that you know both of these guys getting real time it, that's what Miami's still doing you know Duncan yeah. Robinson becomes one of the best shooters in the league you know they take a chance on Kendrick Nunn and he becomes a scorer right out of the gate this season it's not even like how much he developed it was right out of the gate Kendrick Nunn was performing for the Miami Heat just it's what they've done and it's how Eric Spolster I think got so much more credit after he won the championships because he didn't have LeBron and Bosch and Wade on the team he had old Wade and Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow winning playoff series and I think that's when we started to respect Spolstra. The thing is, you're right, Walker, in that they have been able to develop talent very well. But really, since LeBron left, it's not like they've been they've been one year on, one year off in terms of playoff appearances. They went uh, mm-hmm. to the second round against uh, the lost in seven to the Raptors in this in this season that we're watching now, and then they would miss the playoffs the next year. They missed the playoffs the first year, 2014-15, uh, after uh, LeBron left. And then they missed it in 2016-17. Then they lost in five games to the Sixers in 2017-18 and then missed it again, missed the playoffs again in 18-19. They're on their way to making the playoffs. If there are NBA playoffs to be played, Miami would theoretically be in it, but now it seems like they're talking about reducing the playoffs in some way. I don't know if that means teams or games or what. But yeah, um, even that year that you mentioned that they didn't make it though, after this season, I believe, I think they went on some kind of crazy second half spurt. But yeah, my point is that they're not, even though they've been able to develop talent, they have not been a perennial playoff team. And that surprised me when I went and looked that up. I'm like, I I just sort of have this memory of Miami always being around in the playoffs, even after LeBron left. And really, they've only made it twice in the past uh, five seasons. Yeah, they've had their rehab years, right? After Shaq was done, they were really bad, and they got Michael Beasley early in the draft because they weren't good, and then LeBron leaves. They've had their rehab, uh, rehab moments, you know, and Dwayne Wade was a part of all of it. Yeah, and back to your point, Walker, about them kind of developing some of their younger players, Duncan Robinson in particular, like guys they've taken a look at late in season that they maybe brought up from their uh, their, their G League team. I mean, I think the Hornets are definitely trying to go in that direction oh, these days, right? Like taking a look at McDaniels, trying to find some of these diamonds in the rough that they can actually add and be, con- you know, real contributors down the line. I mean, I think if you're a Hornets fan, that's what you have to be hoping. That's how they have to build. So hopefully you can see some of the progression like you see in McDaniels this year uh, added onto the roster if we ever get basketball back. So Ding with a big three there. The Hornets a little bit on the ropes, 84 to 82. And I mean, I I think it's pretty safe to say if the Hornets lose this game, they're probably losing in six. Like the Heat are coming back to Charlotte. And taking them down. I mean, they needed the Hornets really needed to keep the momentum yeah, in this series. Yeah, which is not unlike the Hornets losing to the Bucks. Oh, look at that! Perfect, at perfect timing, by the way. Perfect timing on that off-ball screen by Zeller and Marvin to get Marvin open for a pull-up jump shot. The bouncy three. Oh yeah. How about Marvin's second-half performance? I think that's three threes from him in the second half and yeah there you see 11 of 22 that's probably one of the biggest stiff uh, differences for the hornets to come out on top wait 11 of 19 in this game 58 percent from the field he did not attempt a three in this game three or four from the line he finished with 25 points to lead all uh, heat scores might have led all yeah led all scores in the game uh five rebounds four assists so one of his uh again a callback play oh, there he goes again 
that man. Yeah. Can't oh, stop man. that man. That's a killer sequence. The fact that the Hornets came back from that, right? So Kimba Walker misses a bunny left-handed layup. And then Dwayne Wade, I believe, comes back and hits that mid-range jumper. A four-point swing like that in a close game. That could have been a killer. It absolutely could have been. Lynn, pull up. Money. Look at Massive that. Massive shot. Really yeah, was. the threes really kept the Hornets in this game, obviously. Uh, the discrepancy in, in Miami's you know, lack of ability to hit the threes. They've only hit five, I believe, in this game thus far. So, Wade, so Wade's go, got so a big discrepancy. Yeah, Wade's gotten the ball twice now, two times in a row, two possessions in a row. He gives it up there, though, to Richardson. Oh, good passing by the Heats, just getting everything. Oh, man, I think, I think, I think Wade should have taken that. Oh, yeah, it, that's the reason, right? Like, it was just one pass too many. Oh. You got to know who you're passing to. There you go, Richardson miss. Hornets with an opportunity here with about 130 to play, to take the lead. Oh, Lynn, oh, unafraid. Didn't oh, make boy. it, but unafraid. <laughs> I mean, he made the last one, so, I mean, you, you know. I'm not sure if that's yeah. the look you want. It's certainly not the look Although, that Steve Clifford wanted. Man, how about that though, right? Like that's why I love doing these rewatches. It's the it's the forgotten plays that are so huge. That Jeremy oh. Lin three pointer, it's just it's huge. By the way, it's huge. You see the double team there to run Ding off the line. Oh my God, blocked by oh, Wade. Oh Lord, chase down block by Wade. Chase down block. Jeez. <laughs> oh man. But they but I, they threw the double team at Ding. You know, threw two guys at him to run him off the three point line. Again, I just want to stress how hot Ding was in this first round series. And I don't know if any of us expected oh, that, that to tin. be the case. That was a goal tin, right? Looked like it. That would have been reviewed. That would have been reviewed, I believe, if we were watching this game. It's a great call today. Tyler Hansborough with like a pencil goatee. Oh, Hansborough. <laughs> yeah, we talk about more hair. That was a, that was a weak stash from him. <laughs> I mean, it definitely existed. Oh, oh and God, then, and then Lynn go. with the foot on the line. Place. Oh, but we can't replay the other one, right? In 2016, they they, they can't replay the goaltend. Yeah, that's right. That's what David was saying. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show you. That's why I love doing these. Yeah, just huge moments. Jeremy Lin's three to keep this within one. These boys are tired. Kimba missing the bunny. Courtney Lee kind of missing the bunny, although it was goaltend. Doesn't get called. Still a one-point game. Uh, the bad turnover, I believe, by Lou Aldang. Just throwing an errant pass. Look at this. Oh, my gosh. That is a goaltend. Oh, oh. If no, it's not. Yeah. If he touched well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, he touched the backboard. So, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Pen. I remember that now. I was like, did he touch it? Did he not touch it? Did he shake? Whatever. ISO. ISO <laughs> way. You got to dunk that. You got to dunk that, C. Lee. That was the Reggie Miller, Tayshawn Prince dunk uh, block attempt, right? Reggie didn't dunk it. Yeah. The Indiana Pacers piston series. Shaded over to Wade. Switch. Deep three. Bad shot. God, that was a horrible possession for Miami. Thank shot. you. Well, they shade they shaded over on the on the pick, so they shaded over to Wade, forced the ball out of his hands, and then quick switch, Kemba versus Richardson. So Richardson, you know, can shoot over Kemba, but that was pretty deep. I think Not always likes to bring up the Hornets may have passed on Devin Booker in this draft that got him frank because of the way Richardson locked him up in a workout with the Hornets. That's what Nada likes to bring up a lot. Yeah. Mm, that was a nice little play, oh, nice little design Kimba play there down. to get oh, Kimba open. Oh, but then huge rebound, offensive though. rebound. And then – That's a big shot. Oh, my God. Courtney Lee shot. Incredible. Oh, uh, but see, again, offensive rebound and the shot. Comes yeah, out of huge. nowhere for the offensive rebound and then knocks down the shot. Amazing. But just like Alonzo Morning shot, still 25 seconds to play. 
<laughs> just drills like it. it. Yeah, the man, Miami, Miami had a bunch of mistakes, right? The Luau Dang turnover, uh, the Josh Richardson yeah. is just heave, you know, inexplicable three, and that's Eric Spolstra putting in a second round rookie, you know, leaving him in big time, and decides to just heave one up. There's D Wade. What's crazy about this game is. D-Wade announced his retirement right after this game and then played for like three more years. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the moment. <laughs> Still going. As soon as we come back, uh, the first celebration, uh, or the second of the third part of the second half of his celebration tour continues. <laughs> Wade was so looking for something to happen there on the right side of the floor, and it didn't happen. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe fumbled Ooh. a little bit. Look at Pretty that defense by Marv Marvin. There. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Oh, I can't believe he didn't shoot that. Yeah, why well, didn't Wade go for that? Is that Kemba that got a piece of that ball? Did he block a Dragic three? Let's see the replay, TNT. I like those jerseys. I really do. I mean, sleeves, are, sleeves are no sleeves. I like those jerseys. <laughs> they were better Those than Miami better than the uh, better yeah, than the Grays. Uh, Man, did I no, don't let's remember? Look at this. Oh, I think let's he did. That's not the oh, drive. Yeah, you got a did. piece. Kemba blocked. Awesome. And then Way just looking for the call. Oh man, he, he was. It. Thank you once for once. Oh yeah, that's brutal for him. I mean, for look the Miami how happy Heat, he is. Oh man, remember that Kemba happy. Clifford always mad. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, um, you know, we, we started this episode here on the Clifford and Steven Silas shot on the bench. And I really think that oh this team, God. Inbounds. of course, <laughs> Hornets inbounds, notoriously bad, have, have actually improved this year. They've been really good out of those sets. This is how, oh. well, that's out on. Might be out on no, well, it should one. be out on Hit, hits, uh, hits Kimba's oh feet God. there. Well, the thing is, does Nick Batum even pass it on the line? I or mean, does he just a bounce pass? Does he even hit the line? Is something that you might need to look at. But, but I, I, was I, was say, I was saying that Clifford and Steven Silas had some of the best facial expressions in Hornets coaching history. I think it does. I don't think it hits the line. I think it gets in. But then it hits Kimba's foot there. But see, isn't Wade's foot out of bounds before that? I don't know. This is... Oh, there you go. Look at Wade's foot. There's a right lot here. going on there. It hit his leg and is out of bounds. I don't know. I can't see if it hit his leg, though. Isn't he touching it right there? Well, I mean, maybe. I or is that, that, is that Dane's Dane's hand? I don't think that's on his knee. It's called, um, it's like one of those puzzles that you have to like cross your eyes to see. It's like one of those depth puzzles. An optical illusion, is that uh, what it that's is? That's what I was looking for. Thank you, Walker. See, that's why I have a co-host. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm the co-host now. Now, if I have to guess, I would give this to the Hornets. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably would. <laughs> You're not biased or anything, David. Well, I'm just saying, that's what it looks like to me at first blush. There's not too much to overturn it. I don't remember the call they made on the floor. How Amari, right? Amari Stoudemire on this team? Didn't oh, my God. Kind of a weird one. Yeah, Mari didn't play. I mean, that in this bounced one. off. His, he touched it right there. Yeah, that's that's it's off away. Briante Weber, future Charlotte Hornet, was also on this roster. Uh, that, 
professional loves I've ever had for a Hornets player. I love Briante. I don't. It's it just he was all motor all the time. I didn't know what he was doing, but I still love him. Now they're just checking on the clock. So they already decided who has it. And what's it? Number nine. Yeah, it's yep. definitely the Hornets ball. Show me D-Wade upset at that. All right, there he is. <laughs> oh, he knew. Now all they have right, to they do it, now all they have to do is inbound it, which they couldn't yeah. do, which they couldn't do the first time. I'm sure if you go back and look at our Twitter, there are plenty of inbounds tweets to be had in 2016 it just always struggled the with thing it. is the thing is you got a seven footer in halls throwing it i mean in theory That's, oh my god that was almost a five some, that was almost a five footer that was almost oh, a five yes. second call and then they get it into zeller barely oh spolstra is out of his mind wanted the foul <laughs> wanted the foul first road playoff win since april 30th 2002 the original hornets run and of course, game game three was the first playoff win that they had had since 2002, because they had gotten swept both times against uh, while they were the Bobcats. But now the Hornets get the win in game five. So here's the question: You look at this. You look at the Nate Batum performance. You look at the performance of Marvin. Uh, you know you've got Kemba. You know you probably won't be able to retain Lynn. But if you're Michael Jordan, if you're the front office, if you're a rich Cho, you look at this performance down in Miami, even though you didn't win the series a couple of days later. I mean, obviously, looking back, it probably wasn't the right thing to kind of charge forward with this group, but it's tough to, I mean, look, it's tough to blame them. I mean, this is the most exciting thing that happens to the Hornets since 2002. It's it's one of my, it's one of the most interesting questions, I think, that's kind of evergreen in sports for me. It's you know, how do we evaluate the performance of, of a GM when in the moment everybody kind of understands the moves and likes it, but then once it doesn't work, we kill Rich Cho for it. I think the reason I wanted to move on from Cho more than anything, yes, he had some awful trades. Hello, Miles Plumley, right? But also the draft his, his, uh, history was not good for him. He takes a ton of criticism for the Nick Batum contract, and my God, it's awful. There's no doubt about it. It just, you know, at the time, there were a lot of people that were asking to pay Nick Batum the max, and then now people are destroying him for it, saying, yes, you have to be out of here. And it's just, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, well, it wasn't the good move, even though we liked it at the time. It just goes to show how imperfect of a process this all is and how we measure, how we evaluate general managers. It, it's yeah. it's an interesting question to me. I mean, you know, I, listen, I as how we do it. As much as we love Marvin Williams and, and loved his time here, and of course Clifford loved him, thought thought he was a, a huge piece of the, the defensive effort that the Charlotte Hornets could give. But as much as we loved him, I mean, to me, that's the contract that I look back on in, in 2016. Because it was obvious, I mean, you had to ride with Kimba, you had to ride with Batum because he was uh, a factor in this playoff series and had he been healthy, I think that was on the minds of everyone. It's like, man, if if the Hornets have a healthy Nick Batum to run back with, they've got a shot at being a playoff contender next season. So I agree with that. But even at the time, I was skeptical about keeping Marvin Williams. And I just think if they could have found a way to distribute that money between Lynn and Lee somehow, 
I think the Hornets had a better shot of getting back to the playoffs than they had with with Marvin Williams. What was Lee's contract? Because Lynn, you know, Lynn getting twenty five that makes it tough. I don't think they were. Yeah, I don't think they were going to be able to touch Lynn. I mean, maybe he really liked it here, but gosh, that was basically his only shot to cash in, wasn't it? I, I agreed. Yeah, I think so. And so I'm, I'd be interested in Courtney Lee's contract because I forget where he, he goes. To the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, immediately, and then. I'm not exactly sure the kind of contract he got. Yeah, he got a four-year deal. Yeah, they would have they would have had to give him a a long-term deal, but it was less than Marvin's. It was eleven. Yeah, how much was was Courtney Lee's deal, Mm -hmm. David? It was eleven point two, then eleven point seven. That was about twelve. Fifty million dollars. Okay, years. Right, but it's twelve million, and whereas uh, Marvin's was what fifteen, seventeen. No, I no, I'm hearing you. I just think so. You're talking about bringing and finding a way to keep Lynn and Lee. I just didn't think that was possible, right? You're talking about 15 million for Marvin, and instead giving that money to Lynn and Lee. I mean, clearly, just two big figures. And I would have thought the same thing. I was just trying to figure out exactly how much they were getting. In 2016 made everybody high, man. You know, it was Courtney Lee getting double digit million annually. Same thing with Jeremy Lynn. Same thing with Marvin. You just weren't going to be able to do it with 15 mil allocated to Marvin and you know it, it, I would have been it would have been better for them for sure but I think at the time like if you were to rank those players just individually I'm not even saying that Marvin was the guy you should have brought back but if you were to rank those players individually th- does Marvin come out on top of the totem pole if you were to rank each of those three or are you going Courtney Lee because I actually liked it compared to the other decisions you could have made with that I think Courtney Lee was you know if you look at just what they needed you know Marvin Williams fit better than Courtney Lee because you know how are you going to fit you know Kemba Lee I mean could Lee play small forward or was Batum wanted to play shooting guard he didn't want to play small forward so maybe you were forced to move him in a position but you ended up doing that anyway um so I just think long term Courtney Lee would have been the better option than Marvin Williams but unfortunately it doesn't go that way and I'll say this after this uh if you don't know after this game uh, the Hornets would go on uh, to – so they were up 3-2 in the series, but they would lose game six at home, and then it just felt like it was over, and game six wasn't uh, – or I'm excuse me, game seven back in Miami. Miami takes care of business. The Miami Heat would go on to a seven-game series against Toronto. They would lose that series. Toronto would go on uh, to uh, the next round. Uh, but Bismack Biombo, a huge factor in Toronto's uh, series victory over the Miami Heat. He led the team in rebounding – in the critical games. And then, of course, Biombo ends up back with the Hornets and all, all 17 million of him. How about the postseason performances getting these guys paid? You know, not yeah. only did Ms. Mac Miyambo, you know, he, he got paid because of the Cleveland series. It was that one where he played well against LeBron and he got the big contract from Orlando. You see Jeremy, you see Marvin Williams play well. You see Nick Batum play well in the postseason. They get big money. Not only for the regular season performance, but second half Marvin plays well. He gets the money. Yeah, the postseason performance. Everybody but Big Al. I mean, that was the sad part about Big Al is everybody knew it was this kind of it was a swan song in Charlotte after you know the All NBA season when he was a member of the Bobcats and you know reviving his career essentially in Charlotte. We all knew it was over, and, and and yet what was sad about it is that he really was one of the X factors that allowed the Hornets to crawl back into this series. And yet it was clear to everyone that it was it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually that was it wasn't a crippling contract for the Pacers, but even people criticized them for I mean, he was he might have made 10 million a year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the Indiana Pacers after that, maybe a two or three year deal with Indiana. But it was a little bit more than I think people thought he would get. And because, again, that's how all the contracts were. 
Um, but yeah, it was it was funny to see him get that kind of money, and in reality, it was still less than a lot of other people and what they got. All right, final yeah, thoughts. He signed a, final thoughts. He signed David. a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. That's what I thought. Mm. Final thoughts, David, as we uh, wrap up this rewatch of one of the more fun games in Hornets playoff history. Yeah, one of the things I was looking forward to this season is just to see how Kimball Walker would play in meaningful playoff games. He only got two chances with that in Charlotte. You know, didn't exactly carry the team throughout the series that we just watched and doesn't have to necessarily carry it in Boston. As a matter of fact, probably won't be asked to at this point. But I was curious to see how he would do this year. Hopefully we'll get to see that. I'm not saying that he will not be able to carry a team through the NBA playoffs. But it not, didn't necessarily happen in Charlotte. That series, if you were going to put your stamp on a franchise, on a series, you know, on your time in town, that felt like the chance to grab it. And uh, the Hornets didn't do it. You know, Kimba didn't have his best stretch of play in that series. So hopefully, maybe we'll get to see what he can do in Boston um, this year if basketball resumes. Walker. Yeah, for me, I. It's the number one thing I like doing when we go through these rewatches. I've mentioned it a couple times down the stretch there. It's the plays you forget about that were so instrumental in the outcome of the game. It's the Jeremy Lin three. So Kimba Walker misses just a bunny of a layup. Left-handed, alley, free as hell, misses it. Heat come back. Dwayne Wade hits a mid-range jumper. And that's a four-point swing in a game that tight in the postseason. And then how about Jeremy Lin right off the bat, immediately coming in, I believe it's a – a three off the dribble, just coming into a stance and then just knocking it down. Miami Heat have a couple of bad plays. Josh Richardson, bad three, bad turnover from Lou Aldang. And then we don't get the goaltend with Courtney Lee, which was clearly a goaltend. And the bucket is not rewarded to Charlotte. I, just a couple of different things that could have gone wrong for the Hornets. And somehow the Heat are the team that kind of messed it up in that regard. And then Courtney Lee comes up with a huge play down the stretch, which we knew even offensive rebound getting it back, hitting the three. But it's it's always the plays that lead up to it that are fascinating to me. And shout out to Jeremy Lin for hitting the three there to keep it within one after a couple of mistakes the Hornets made. Missing bunnies, man. The goaltend doesn't go their way, and Kimba misses that bad left-handed layoff. Uh, this playoff game came in a playoffs and in a season that to me represents for the Charlotte Hornets one of the biggest what-ifs in franchise history just in terms of the season in general because you'll remember kind of going into this playoffs they were in a four-way tie in the Eastern Conference with with uh, Atlanta, Miami, and I forget the fourth team that they were, were tied with. It, uh, I don't think it was Boston, but they were tied with four teams for the third seed. And so the Hornets, because of tiebreakers, I believe it came down to a loss against the Atlanta Hawks in the regular season. They fall to the sixth seed. So if they had had home court, you know, maybe this, maybe they don't get off to such a rough start in the first two games. They figure some things out. Um, so there's a big what if there. There's a big what if with Nick Batum. If you get a fully healthy Nick Batum going into that first round series, do they win it? Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist being injured for most of the season and then giving us that glimpse of hope for seven games, that's a huge what if. Uh, but this season represented the culmination of the Hornets' strategy for rebuilding this basketball team. It was, it was centered around Kimball Walker, but it was also centered around making bets on players that they felt would have comeback seasons. And they, they hit on so many. Jeremy Lin, Nick Batum, uh, among them, they were betting low and trying to get high return. And for a brief moment, it worked. And David, when we were doing shows at the time, you and I always talked about how 
okay, you can agree or disagree with what the Hornets are doing in terms of building their team. But what you can't do is argue that they don't have a plan. It was clear they had a plan. And just unfortunately, in the, in the years that followed, that plan came unraveled because of a series of bad executive moves and bad luck. Yeah, a lot of big bets that did not pay off and nothing to back it up, right? The development from the younger players weren't, wasn't there. And just, uh, you're right, though, there was a plan. Not many people, I don't know if they disagreed with it along the way because it was fun to be in these playoff games, but I think some people did kind of see, you know, doomsday coming and this was not really a, a, a sustainable um plan but hey it was a good times while it was happening i think they've maybe learned from some of those mistakes especially betting so big putting those bad deals out there regardless of who is getting those deals at least Cupcheck is saying all the right things in that regard right when you ask the question have we learned from our mistake it does seem like mitch Cupcheck is saying the right thing doug is right to be scared until they actually lock mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. offseason and start the next regular season without any moves having get been out of here demar DeRozan. <laughs> doug is absolutely right to be scared of that but mean that we're ready to go to sleep without checking the closet for the boogeyman right but we are at least comforted by knowing okay mitch kupchak is telling us the right thing hopefully they did learn because you know he keeps giving us the good comments all right hope you had a great time uh watching uh, this game with us we're going to do it again next friday again we are going to be doing locked on hornet shows monday wednesday and friday through april until fingers crossed basketball returns again and then we'll pick up our coverage uh thanks so much for watching us live and uh, we'll see you on locked on hornets on monday possibly rick bennell possibly some hidden hornets history until then go hornets go america thanks to my co-hosts uh walker mail and david walker for joining me on this one we'll see you next time